Hi, I'm Shelly. And I'm Cam. And this is Translating ADHD. This week, we are going to continue the thread of relationships, and we are going to look somewhere that our listeners have been asking for for a long time, and that is romantic relationships. Interestingly enough, we got on this whole thread of putting yourself in the picture because of a client of mine and talking about romantic relationships. She had just ended a relationship. She was living with this person, so that obviously came into the coaching conversation because her life situation was changing. And I told her, hey, just FYI, talking about romantic relationships, what you might want in the future, is absolutely something that we can do in coaching. Because number one, this is whole person coaching. Number two, for some of my clients, that is part of their big agenda. And Cam, the look she gave me, she was just gobsmacked by that. And she said, I never thought of it that way. I never thought about a romantic relationship in the context of my big agenda. And it never occurred to me, even now doing this coaching work with you in all of these other areas of life, to put myself in the picture when it comes to romance and dating. And also putting romance or relationship in the context of ADHD. Yeah, absolutely. And so this is where we're going to go today. Yeah, I think that's a really common approach, this surprise that sort of somehow a primary relationship or romantic relationship, that it doesn't necessarily fit into their big agenda of what they want in coaching or what they want in life and the context of ADHD. So the question I have is, what had her these in separate containers like this to kind of set it aside and not see it as a part of the bigger agenda to consider, to bring to coaching? It's a really interesting question, Cam. And I think in this client's case, it just wasn't something that came up. We were working very strongly in the area of career. The relationship she was in, she was living with this person, but this person traveled heavily for work. So this person was not in her space, in her purview, having an effect on her life daily. And so it wasn't until in hindsight, when we're coaching around this transition from partnered to single, including a move, that she was starting to realize, hey, whether or not I want to date in the future, who I want to date in the future, and what I want that to look like can be part of my big agenda. It was almost like in all of the other ways that she was learning to put herself in the picture and learning her own worth and her own value, she hadn't considered it in that area. She was still approaching that area from a one-down perspective of, I guess I'll date somebody if they want to date me. Mm, Really interesting. I think that I'm just appreciating this progression as we talk about back to agency and advocacy and seeing yourself in the picture. And looking at relationships, beginning with professional relationships into personal relationships, into romantic relationships, right? Romantic relationships, this is where the big signal, it's where you have that big intensity that can really blot out other things, that intensity of that initial connection. With romantic relationships, 
there's that emotional investment element that comes into play. And oh, remember, we've got that emotional regulation thing going on, folks. And romantic relationships, when you move past the first six months or six years, right, and you're into a commitment over a period of time, this can be problematic for someone with ADHD because this is classic Q2. It's important, not urgent. It's a marathon. And it's like that person that you married, those things that are so appealing in the first two years, it can become kind of a, maybe a, a tolerance or an irritation beyond those two years and after those two years. But this is something we can have, just like we can have success with ADHD, we can have healthy, meaningful, complementary relationships. So Shelly, I want to talk about the surprise of your client and how it fits into the big agenda. This is about needs. People have a need for connection. They have a need to be loved. And I went to this conference and I ran into somebody. I said, I'd like to take you to lunch. It was a presenter at one of these conferences in an ADD conference years and years ago. And it was because of something she had in her description of her talk. And the description was success and the state of a primary relationship are connected. And this is Melissa Orloff. She wrote a book, I would say the book on ADHD and marriage. And that little statement, I just said, you know what? I want to pick your brain on that. And we went to lunch and we were talking about this and just because I was realizing in my work, when my clients had a fairly healthy primary relationship, our work in the professional area seemed to be a lot easier. And if there was things going on where there was a lot of contention or resentment dynamics that were creating a toxic environment under the same roof, then doing all that other work seem to be much more challenging. Now, do I only work with people who are in healthy primary relationships? No, we're all human. We all have challenges and there's all kinds of dynamics that we're going to talk about today. Shelly, you were saying with that transition with your client of moving forward and being a choice going forward, hey, I can have a relationship with someone where we're on equal footing, that it's complementary. But also, we're going to be talking about relationships today where you're going along and this diagnosis comes along at maybe year 10 and the pitfalls of that and what you can do in that situation. But both of us, we were talking about this before the episode today. We both ask in our preliminary conversations with clients of, hey, you know, just how are things at home? Just to check on that, to see here's someone who's very close to you. Are they a resource? Are they a support? Is it neutral or is it adversarial? And in addition to that, Cam, if it's currently somewhat adversarial, is there an opportunity in doing your own work, in being able to translate and articulate differently, and in being able to approach the challenges that are happening in the relationship, not from a one-down perspective, but on even footing? for the other person to be a resource, for you both to sort of renegotiate this partnership, this co-created relationship. Because I've certainly had clients in that position where things are tough right now, 
but there's opportunity there. And there's opportunity in the work that my client and I are doing together to take that back into the marriage. That's translating. That is why we're doing this podcast of this understanding, owning, and then being able to articulate our experience so we can take that adversarial situation and turn that person into an ally. And Shelly, you're talking about my marriage that we had undiagnosed ADHD, among other dynamics, it's never the ADD alone. And that's a very easy target to sort of to think about. It's like, oh, we found the dilemma. It is a dilemma, but it's not the only dilemma. But for years, the first 10 years of our marriage, we got into this, like something's not working. And then when we finally found the ADHD, it's like, oh, okay, we can treat this. But we got into a real adversarial dynamic for several years. Well, guess what? We're coming up on our 28th anniversary. And my best friend is my wife. And she's got my back. We did a lot of work to get there. Cam, if you're open to it, I think it would be helpful to explore that journey, you and your wife, because that's precisely what we're talking about. How did you get from diagnosis to adversarial, first of all? And then how did you turn that into the beautiful partnership that you have today? Ooh, okay. Hmm. Wasn't thinking about this today, but I think I can go there. And actually, I think not to deflect, but I do think that there's this sort of certain things that were at play that we see it was coming into play with us. And then I can generalize this to take it to a typical experience and actually the work that I do with Melissa people. So Melissa Orloff, she has her book. She does her couples seminar, which is an eight-week seminar, and we'll put the link in for that. And I teach a class to graduates of that seminar. So they have Melissa's material, and it's like, how do I start to put into play the habits that I want to put into play to create change? And turn this adversarial situation, not all adversarial, but just a lot of it's a misunderstanding, not understanding what this ADHD is and isn't. But then to do this translating work, the ability to stand up and articulate and advocate for oneself and then develop agency. Often you get this ADD diagnosis is like, oh, my spouse with ADHD is non-compliant. And the goal is about compliance. And I would say, no, the goal is not about compliance. The goal is about mutual resource, getting to this mutual resource and more complementary. You're not going to take someone's ADD and by using meds and behavior modification, you're not going to do away with their ADHD. You're not going to do away with their lightning thoughts and creativity, but it's that understanding and looking at how can we become more complementary to each other. Because back to with my spouse, I think it was, we were both extremely overworked. She was in a full-time program and working full-time. I was in that teaching situation where they said, do whatever you want. And everyone is like amazing how they contribute to that program. And I didn't understand how to create limits there. So we had all these stressors going on. And guess what? Certain needs were not getting met. And that initial signal How we met was I took her sailing and I grew up, my sister was a sailing counselor at a camp and I was her little brother and I was seven 
and she didn't know what to do with me. And so she put me on a sunfish and said, go. So I learned to sail at seven. I couldn't swim, but I could sail. And they put appropriate PFD on me. So, so I was like, oh my God, you know, like, what are you talking about? No, it was safe. But that's who I was. Like I learned to sail. And again, it was a little day sailor and I took her out and that's how we courted. And she was like, oh my God, this guy's got it going. He's a captain. Well, I was a captain of a little boat with about four things I had to pay attention to. And I looked really competent and capable. And that's the person she fell in love with, kind of adventurous, in command, in this dynamic situation. Well, step off onto land. <laughs> a bit changed there. Cam, I want to pause you there because I want to clarify for our listeners that you are competent, capable and adventurous. At least the cam that I know has those traits. So it's not that your wife fell in love with someone who doesn't exist. It's that she fell in love without seeing the whole picture. And so I think that distinction is important. So stepping off onto land, it's not that you become someone else or that you were being someone that you're not on the boat. It's that there was a bigger picture here in which ADHD was having a tremendous impact. Right. And we decided to move inland. So we left Baltimore on the Chesapeake Bay, where I grew up sailing, and we moved inland and we stopped sailing and we got busy and we were all doing our thing. And I didn't have anything left over. At the end of the week, I was recovering every weekend. And so again, years and years go past where not getting certain needs met, the trust started to erode. And we talk about the big R is resentment. Resentment is something that if you feel like it's taking hold in your primary relationship, this is where you do want to seek professional help because resentment is really hard to overcome without a mediary, someone to be engaging and helping both people succeed. Here's the thing though, is that you know we came to this sort of seminal moment of do we proceed or not? And we chose to do that. I stopped working at this school. She stopped her program and it was a new chapter in a new town. And I remember her saying, do you want to come? And this is year seven. Do you want to go with me? It was this choice moment, kind of a recommitting, a recommitting to this person and recognizing I had my diagnosis, but this is before that seminal moment when I was sitting there with not understanding how it really impacted me in the sense of not being able to complete. But we made that commitment to each other. That was year 2000. So we're 21 years later and listeners, it's like, oh my God, you're telling me it's going to take me 28 years or it's going to take 21 years to figure this out? No, I would not say it's that long at all. It is a process though. And there are certain pitfalls that get in the way. I want to name a couple that we saw. And I think that are very prevalent there. One is what you said, Shelly, with, okay, we found the diagnosis. So we found the thing. And it's a big signal. It's like, oh. And so often people go in, they get their kid diagnosed. And as the physician is talking about these different things, or the evaluator is talking about these different symptoms, level one symptoms at the lunch counter, people start to turn their head. You know, there's a realization, there's a reckoning, an awareness moment for one or both of the parents. This is hereditary. It's like, ah. So then imagine that, damn it, you're responsible for our kid ending up this way? Not that that happened in our situation, but the shame, the guilt that can be coming from the outside or 
on the inside. I am responsible for this. So the diagnosis, and then it's the treatment and thinking, oh, we'll just fix this. It's a dynamic. And dynamics, there's two coming to play. And so both partners have their work to do. That's why I think Melissa's program is great because she approaches it as this, you both have your work cut out for you. And she has a similar story where year 10 of her relationship, she's like, listen, hey, this is something that's been going on here. We either go full in and learn about this or we separate and go our separate ways. They decided to stay together. They've been together 30 years or so now. So it can be done. The other dynamic that can occur, Shelly, is this a parent-child type dynamic. I hesitate to use that term because, again, it's descriptive. It's what it looks like from the outside. It's looking down from the lunch counter. This dependency. Melissa and I would joke about this chronic prompt fatigue from the non-ADD partner. Prompting, hey, did you remember this? The setting up for success. The teen up for the team. And it's likely could be a partner and a kid too, of feeling that weight of always having to do the executive functioning for the team. And that's what I want to go to here is we do what we have to. And when I was looking for a partner, I was looking for someone's going to help me with my executive functioning without even knowing it. Like I was looking for someone who was grounded, who had a plan, who knew what they wanted. That's who I was looking for because I didn't have that and I couldn't generate it, but I didn't know why. So again, my wagon is sitting in the field, not moving, and I couldn't find my horse. You know, Occasionally, I find my horse, but that arc pony would run away. So it's like, here's something I can hook onto and pull along. So there's that parent-child dynamic that is in play. And on the parent-child dynamic, we often see and talk about the harm it does to the neurotypical spouse being the person that has to manage executive function for the family. But it does just as much harm to the ADHD spouse. Yeah, or more. And that's part of the situation that I was in, is my ex-husband, who I have a wonderful relationship with, by the way, didn't know how to help me other than taking things off of my plate. And that's not what I wanted him to do. I wanted to partner. I wanted to work on it together. He didn't know how to do that with me. And that was ultimately part of why we were not a good fit. As we got to the point where he was taking so much from me, which was not only not helping me, it was making me resentful and it was making him resentful. It was a completely toxic dynamic where he was running himself into the ground trying to quote unquote help me or trying to fix it for me, trying to make me happy. And it wasn't working. Because I didn't want to be made to feel like a child. I didn't want to be made to feel incapable. I wanted to partner together to build and work on our life together. And it's just not something that we were able to resolve. And that's okay, by the way. I'm okay with that. But it was an important realization. And Cam, I'll tell you something so funny is being single now, being a homeowner, being on my own, I take some amount of joy in those small things. For all of the talk I do on the show about how I don't love doing the dishes or the laundry or mowing my lawn, and I don't love those things, but there's a joy in completion and in knowing that I'm capable of completing. 
That's agency. Yeah. That's agency right there. That joy and completion, that joy of you're the author. You get to determine how and when and why. I want to go back to where we started at the beginning with your client in the sense of tethering a romantic relationship to big agenda. And you just said it in the sense of the partnering. I think that that's what I want to leave our listeners with is this, okay, well, where do we begin? Where do you begin is where do you agree? Where do you have common ground, common understanding, common appreciation? And like we do in our coaching is to look, where do you co-create? Where can you co-create? Where is there an opening for partnership, as you said? And to look at those bigger things that really matter. And that's what ultimately my wife and I went to was this realization when we recommitted to each other. It was like we wanted things that were very similar of just what we value in the world at this higher level. So yeah, the execution was a bit choppy and suspect, but that was at the execution. That was at the the granular ground level. That's moving melons. But what we're trying to do in the grand scheme of things, we are on the same page. And so that's where we started. And coming back to that and then thinking about, well, how can that happen? And moving from this idea of compliance to break that parent-child is, it's not about will he comply or will she comply, but it's who is this person and empathy to appreciate them and to not see their different brain wiring as a threat. That is a huge part. And for the ADHD spouse, learning to show up and sit at the table as an equal, not from that one down place, not from that I have to comply or I will be in trouble place, but as an equal partner in this relationship. And it's a tough dynamic to adjust, but it can be done. I've seen my clients do it time and time again. And the rewards, Cam, I think you can speak to that more than anyone, are incredible if you're able to do this work with your partner. And if there's an opening for this work, and back to what we said at the start, that's what we check in with, with our clients who are in an important primary romantic relationship. What's the status of that relationship? What are the dynamics like? If there's not currently support, is there an opening for support and for co-creation? Right. And don't be afraid to pull in outside resources. There's lots of resources here that you can access. The thing I'll finish with as we head out here, Melissa has this great little list. The way that she approached it, it's just this simple list of things that I've used ever since we first met. And her list of four is be independent. This is for the the ADHD spouse to come to the table and be as an equal. It's nice to have a couple sort of structural elements that we can hang our hat on. Like, okay, well, what does that mean? How do I show up as an equal? Be independent. Be reliable enough. That keyword enough, because reliable means, again, with our black and white thinking, it's like, well, reliable 100% all the time. No, it's not going to happen. But being reliable enough, what is that? To discuss what that is, back to the communication aspect and to manage expectations, to determine what are positive outcomes. What are we shooting for? Reliable enough to love and attend. So that's three and four, because 
We love, but we don't always attend. That was my issue. I love my wife, but I didn't show it. I didn't show it the gesture aspect. It takes planning. It takes executing. And so that distinction was helpful for me to realize, oh, it's not just enough to love. It's what does attention look like? It's our, the thing that we're trying to cobble together the most. But that's often what our non-ADD spouses are desiring the most is just being present and attending and working on that. Well said, Cam, and a great place for us to wrap for today. We will include links to Melissa's eight-week seminar, which is intended for both spouses, the neurotypical spouse and the ADHD spouse. And then Cam's follow-up course is for the ADHD spouse to keep building those habits that were started in the seminar that the couple takes together. So this episode may sound like an infomercial for Melissa's seminar a little bit, but that's because we believe in it. It works. And Cam's been working alongside her for a long time, seeing how beneficial this work is to these couples. And so whenever a client comes to me and relationship is the primary coaching challenge, Melissa is always the resource I send them to because she's got the stuff there. So we will include links there. If you like what we're doing here on the show, there's a few ways that you can help us out. The first is don't keep us a secret. Share us on social, share us with a loved one that has ADHD. Let other people know about the resource of this show. The second is supporting the show financially by becoming a patron. Visit the website, translatingadhd.com. Click on the Patreon link in the upper right-hand corner. And for $5 a month, not only are you entirely covering the cost of the show now across all of you, thank you so much for that. You also gain access to our Discord community where you can discuss the show with other listeners and partner together to do your own understand, own translate work based on the learning that you're having listening to the show. Finally, you can leave a review wherever you listen. Reviews let other people know that our show is quality and worth listening to, and it helps other people find the show. So until next week, I'm Shelly. I'm Cam. And this was Translating ADHD. Thanks for listening. 